Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We have a interesting show today david what's what's on the uh hey josh how are you talking about so a couple big things in the news today one is we have trump who just landed in vietnam for a big summit with kim jong-un that's happening over the next couple days i think vietnam is about 12 hours ahead of us so it's about 1 30 in the morning as we tape uh, and then i want to talk about manafort's lawyers who filed a, a memo last night kind of arguing for some leniency that Manafort promoted Western civilization and right. democracy, and uh, and so shouldn't get a you know seventeen to twenty five year basically a life sentence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Let me before we do that, let me quickly mention our sponsors, which is Grady's Cold Brew Iced Coffee. Want to become a true office hero? Treat yourself and your coworkers to the best iced coffee in the country with a forty-two serving bag and box from Grady's Cold Brew. Now shipping to twenty states on the East Coast. This coffee concentrate pours from a spigot just like boxed wine. So help yourself to a cup to no wait, not not a cup. Help yourself to cup after cup. Many cups. Of, yes, of Grady's signature New Orleans style flavor. Freshly brewed with chicory for just a hint of all-natural sweetness. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. So, Josh, did you get a chance to sample the Grady's Manhattan at your party on Saturday? You know, I didn't. I, I'm embarrassed, but I good. didn't. It, yeah, I, I, I first. I don't know why I didn't. I normally my 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 drink of choice is a gin and tonic. That's true. And I so I just like I don't know, had how, a gin I don't and know how Grady's would uh would combine with the Go gin with and tonic. G- yeah. So is that is that like? I guess that's a standard sort of like coffee like liqueur thing and just sort of yeah exactly right, yeah right. exactly i heard it was good i it was good. i'm embarrassed to say it was I did not actually have next myself, time but yeah we're kind go. of uh we're going old school today right it's just you and i on the yep. pod we got yep. our reporters on the hill running around so figured we just hold down hold things down and, and, and what are they and what, what are they up there they're they're so today is the house vote on on the resolution to disapprove of trump's emergency declaration so right. it starts in the house today obviously expected to pass democratic majority and then i think it's not until maybe like mid-june that the senate would act on it i think it kind of like mid-june or i'm sorry mid-march mid-march oh, oh, mid-march. oh okay okay sorry. got it i was gonna say wow yeah really <laughs> a, a lack of i think it kind schedule. of like kicks off a countdown type thing uh for right. when there would be action in the senate which is where kind of the real tension is basically right 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 so president trump just landed in vietnam earlier today for his summit with kim jong-un the second summit in the last year right wasn't the first one back in june some like, maybe think, that's where i, I was so. getting june yeah yeah no I, it's uh i i think if i if i'm remembering the i think it was january 2018 when you had that that moment when you went from like extremely bellicose language on right. both sides yeah. and i believe what was it? I, I I think what happened was a top. I, I think it was maybe the national security advisor of South Korea 
was in the White House to sort of debrief Trump. That sounds and, right, yeah. And, and then kind of out of that, that was the sort of the germination of there being a summit. And right. then it took a little, took a little while. Right. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a very, I, I was just, um, I was just uh, reading something from, I think, uh, Washington Post reporter Philip Rucker, mm-hmm. who I guess is probably there. Yeah. And, uh, or actually this was someone quoting him. I didn't hear him say it himself, but that, you know, Trump is really into these letters yeah. that he gets. The love from, letters. Y- yeah. And, and He and, does talk about them a lot, even in just impromptu press appearances when he's kind of going to and from the White House. He talks about these beautiful letters that Kim Jong-un sent him. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> It's so strange because it it according to Rucker, uh, he you know he refers to President Trump as His Excellency. Right, I'm sure he loves that. Which is not is is not an acceptable uh, way to refer to a U.S. president. There's you know there's going back to George Washington. Uh, uh, there was actually a question of what how should people refer to the president of the United States? Right. His Excellency has sort of an imperial vibe to it. Yeah, or or at least a regal (laughs) one. And and there actually was a question whether it should be His Excellency or something like this. And it was one of these sort of, you know, kind of early George Washington things that he insisted on Mr., which is obviously a very... Now, Mr., it's funny. um, Mr. originally had a somewhat higher meaning than it does now where now it's just mr like anybody almost mister. neutral yeah. Yeah, yeah just like it it's basically just a kind of a title for any man right basically so these letters and apparently they are filled with beyond the you know your excellency and stuff like that they're filled with a lot of very flowery praise and and praise of president trump's political judgment and how great the 2016 right campaign all these years later was yeah and 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 (laughs) you know there's there is often an element of ingratiating in in international affairs and all that kind of stuff um but it really does seem like uh kim and probably the people around him have really kind of played trump well they they know what he wants yeah yeah they and and it's not it's not a big mystery i mean you just have to have um you know we think of we think of north korea as a very isolated country which it no doubt is um but you know they have people who speak english and i'm sure monitor um uh, i mean it's not even a matter of monitor you just don't go on the internet right and yeah. just and just and and follow our news so it's not like these things are are um are huge surprises or anything like that but it really does seem i mean he's you can you can that's always a thing with trump that uh y- you know he he is a huge liar but he also speaks the truth in the sense that just spontaneously, he will say things, you know, kind of like that classic thing with Lester Holt, right. where he's saying, I fired him. Well, I fired him because of Russia. Right. Fired yeah. Jim Comey, right? He was like, oh, yeah. The yeah. Russia thing was hanging out there now, you know? Yeah. So, so he, ju- he, he does have this way of very extemporaneously just saying what is really on his mind right. and what is really motivating him and stuff. And the, obviously, uh, there are many very important uh, geostrategic equities on the line yeah, in our almost, relationship almost with North 30, Korea. Yeah, almost 30,000 U.S. troops. Yeah, uh, 30,000 U.S. troops, um, 
things that we don't think about usually as much that the South Korean economy is a is a huge part of the maybe huge is understated a very important part of the global economy. Yeah, tech sector, right? Tech sector, a hugely important part of um, of the of the you know kind of tech and manufacturing world in East Asia. So there's a lot involved, and and and. These letters are, are not high on the list, but they do really do seem like they are driving it. And, yeah. and, and people don't even know, like, why, why is a summit even happening? Right. Well, yeah, I think the last summit, I mean, ostensibly it's about denuclearization, right? I mean, that's the big goal. That's, I guess, Trump's white whale in this situation. But he, it also seems like beyond the letters, something driving this is Trump just loves pomp and circumstance. He goes yeah. over to France for Bastille Day. There's jets flying above in red, white, and blue and, you know, parades and all this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And these are like, you know, these are spectacles in and in, in themselves. Yeah, the kind of, it's a very, you know, kind of, uh, I mean, that, I, that's exactly right. You're yeah. on a big stage. There's a lot of, um, there's a, uh, not theatrics, but sort of yeah. like stage management yep. of, of, you know, he goes to one hotel, Kim goes right. to another hotel. Yeah, and speaking of, I guess just this morning, all the American news crews, the television crews and, and Was whatnot. it just the Americans or was it like all international media? It's a good Do question. I, from what I understand, it's like the American media is who was most affected or who was, you know, being covered on, on this. But the hotel that Kim Jong-un is staying at, like the Melai Hotel, uh, is also where the American TV correspondents and crews booked their accommodations and apparently Kim was coming back to the hotel or arriving or something and they had to kick everyone out basically or say you can't do your live shots here even though you shipped thousands or tens of thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment and stuff but didn't they also like I uh, god what was it I think it was uh, some reporter from the Washington Post yeah, that, I watched on, uh, that I follow on Twitter yeah. where you know they had a whole uh, for those not in the news business a you know, a room basically set up a filing center. Yeah, a filing center, yeah. which is basic, which basically means kind of a uh, temporarily set up room Working with maybe like a hundred kind of workstations. Yeah. And I think you know, and everyone has, each one has a phone line right. and internet and blah 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 blah. And my understanding of that thing was that they had to ditch that and yeah. just go somewhere else. Right. Basically, like whole, yeah. And yeah. the live shots as well. Right. And I guess when Kim arrived, I don't know if it was someone in the Vietnamese government or one of Kim's handlers basically said, "Don't even look at him. You have to like avert your eyes." <laughs> so a little bit of drama to start. Yeah. So so well, I get, and I guess you know the notional. Um, purpose of all this is denuclearization and 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 to be fair there is there is a lot that can and even arguably has been accomplished uh short of denuclearization which is the u.s uh and north korea were in this kind of tit for tat of threats on our side uh the north koreans sending up these these missiles which i think uh, the the sort of the common consensus was that they had shot missiles that showed that they could not only kind of you know hit some remote part of Alaska, but mm-hmm. they could probably deliver something to the west coast of the United right. States, which is obviously a big deal, and that is not happening. Uh, so there's been a cooling of tensions, but yeah. but denuclearization is the thing, and normally you would want the way international diplomacy normally works is you would have another summit if there had, you know, if some big thing had been agreed to, maybe not full denuclearization, but something, you know, something, whatever. 
but it doesn't seem like uh, there's anything like that. Right. And and but Trump just it's it's I I think it is. I mean, there's all the sort of the pomp and circumstance that he likes. Um, he gets to say how it was this humongous victory right. on his part and everything. Um, and that is kind of, he probably just kind of likes hanging with a guy. And it also, they I guess, seem like buds. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the letters, there's the, obviously the like warm relationship, I guess, but I don't know. Do you think part of it too? I mean, it's that Trump is overseas. A huge amount of media attention follows that just because it's the president's a, a high stakes meeting. We're not talking about Paul Manafort as much or mm-hmm. the Mueller investigation. I mean, is part of it just kind of taking up oxygen from the rest of kind of what's what's plaguing him recently? I think that's definitely some of it. I mean, it, it's, it is definitely true that even, you know, what I would call normal presidents, like every other president besides Trump, uh, it's a pretty common thing. You go up. The president is like a king in international affairs. Right. Um, and he can, and even if he is embattled at home, when he is abroad, he's the president of the United States. Right. And he carries the the sort of the power and 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 attention gathering of the United States with mm-hmm. him. Um, he can, uh, a president can act to a significant extent unilaterally abroad. Obviously, not totally, but much more than than a president can in domestic affairs. And you just, you know, you look presidential because you're right. out there being president. Yep. And certainly there was, if we go all the way back to um, Watergate, President Nixon, and he was actually doing some pretty high consequence stuff uh, during the Watergate scandal with China, um, ironically, same, same neck of the woods, uh, Bill Clinton was doing that during uh, the Lewinsky scandal and stuff. So all presidents do that. I mean, I the I think the thing that is is worth noting about this situation is that what Trump has gotten from the North Koreans was basically on offer any time in the last twenty five years. Because in essence, what he has done is say. I'm going to – we'll kind of be nice and talk, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to insist on you doing anything on the nuclear front. Right. Um, now, again, in in to in their defense or to sort of, you know, I think the full picture, I think it is true they have not gotten rid of the sanctions, although they have um, – they have inevitably loosened because everybody, ha- lots of other countries, okay, everything's kind of calm, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of not um, put the screws. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is a very unpredictable and it is, it is you know, it's not U.S. propaganda that this is a unpredictable and in many ways dangerous regime. You know, it's back in, I think it was in... in uh, uh, in Rangoon in 1980, like 30 years ago, they, uh, I'm trying to, I want to get the, the basic facts of this right. Um, a large del- a large part of the South Korean cabinet government was, I think, in Rangoon, and they planted a bomb like under the table. <laughs> and, and like a lot of the, uh, some key members of the South Korean government were killed. So like, that's like pretty wild, yeah. right? I mean, that's, and that's, like, like recent history, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. This is like 30 years ago. Um, and there's even that 
I mean, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's 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 a it's a weird regime. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what they want is to be a nuclear power and be accepted as a nuclear right. power. And I think it's pretty clear that that is where this is going. Yeah. And, and the key is that a lot of people, and I would I would kind of include myself in this category. You're not going to get them to give up their nuclear weapons because why would they? Mm-hmm. Like why would they? Um, and so. In some ways, President Trump has started down a path that many people on the other side of the aisle said was not necessarily a good path, but an inevitable path. Uh, and it's just, but because he is him, uh, his party has awesome, no, cool, <laughs> go for it, right? <laughs> and and uh, and and uh, Obama. Wouldn't do that, maybe to some extent didn't feel they could do that. Right, wouldn't sit down with with Kim with no conditions, as Trump did, right? Well, not just no conditions, but again, I mean, I, I you can look at this and say, well, Trump isn't doing anything different. He's just having a few conversations before, mm-hmm. you know, he, he gives them the ultimatum or something like right. that. But in practice, I don't think anybody thinks that's really what's happening here. That's... That that's just not. I in effect, they. I think we are we are going down the path of accepting that. Okay, you're going to have nuclear weapons. Um, what what is probably realistic is maybe, um, you know, hypothetically, you could come to an agreement where maybe they would say, okay, we're, we will only have X number of nuclear weapons. Uh, you know some agreements and some sort of, uh, you know, enforcement about you're not going to give them to other, you know, export them to other states. But at the end of the day, I mean, this, this is, it's, it's one of the funny things about the, the nuclear proliferation world universe, especially in in a, in a unipolar uh, globe is why wouldn't you want nuclear weapons? Yeah, everyone have, else has them. Yeah, well, it, the key is is that having nuclear weapons basically makes you like a made ma- made man yeah. in the mafia. No one, people cannot come at you. Right. You're, now, that doesn't mean you can't conceivably get into a war, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to have like what happened to Iraq or happened in Libya or whatever because you can't. You, you can't they, risk that, yeah. Yeah, you cannot. No power can just, with uh, with no consequences, just militarily overthrow a nuclear power. So right. again, why would you not want to be a nuclear power? That's my my sermon. For yeah. All right. So shifting gears now, let's talk about the Manafort case. Last night, I guess around maybe nine o'clock, his lawyers filed a memo to Judge Amy Berman Jackson. She's the judge in D.C. presiding over the case. She's also the one overseeing Roger Stone's case as well yeah um and manafort's lawyers basically made an argument that his reputation has been ruined his life has been ruined basically that he has spent his career promoting western democracy all the american ideals all that kind of good stuff um and that he doesn't deserve a maximum yeah sentence yeah i mean i think they i mean the the part about like you know spreading american ideals that that's pretty thin. I mean, not all, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, whether you're spending, uh, spreading ideals, there's a lot of 
uh, American campaign types who go and, you know, go abroad and they're usually often, you know, working for, uh, you know, uh, political factions that support right. the United States. And in that sense, okay, they're kind of, sure. you know, they're promoting American interests. Uh, uh, you know, Manafort is, is, is somewhat unique, I want to say unique, but it was actually spent a lot of time working against the right. stated interests of the, of, of the United States, whether, you know, whether one agrees with that or not. So that part is, that part was kind of silly, but I thought the argument that his lawyers made in general is probably the best argument that they could make. And how I, wh- how I understood it was basically saying, you know, they were look, Mueller was looking for collusion, turn turn Manafort's life upside down right. looking for collusion, you know, because because the real issue here is Trump didn't find it. Now, we don't that's the lawyers claiming didn't find it. I think they actually said didn't find evidence of it or some something mm-hmm. like that. But basically kind of like, you know, our client Paul Manafort was like collateral damage in the investigation of Donald Trump, uh FARA violations, FARA non-filings is the Foreign Agents Registration Act that those are seldom criminally prosecuted right. which is true yep. um and, and why is that just there aren't there aren't the resources really to go after uh, each and every you know it's white collar case like this it's funny it's um usually usually they are prosecuted when like in some cases they're based they basically do it for spies when someone is when when i think there was someone uh recently out on the West Coast that mm-hmm. was that the US government basically thought was spying for Iran. Um, and maybe they couldn't quite make an espionage sure. charge. So they just said, well you didn't file. Right. And so they got him on a fair thing. Uh, I don't know. The, the 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 US government is has has always been very passive. You know, years and years ago when I was uh, when I was living in D.C., it was sort of it was one of these things that a lot of young journals would do, kind of trolling for you know, if like you're a freelancer or something like that, trolling for stories. You go down this is before like digitization, you go down to the to the Farah office, which uh, it's it's part of the Justice Department, but at least at the time it was it was not physically located in the Justice Department. You go down there and just look because there's a lot of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always surprised because I would you know I'm looking for violations, but or some you know some, yeah. and I was always struck that when so I'd go up to the staff and like wait a second you know this is this person didn't file. This must be wrong. They're like, well, who knows? You know, so <laughs> yeah. they, they seem like very committed to non-enforcement yeah. themselves. In any case, for whatever reason, yeah. that is accurate. And although I'm not sure they said this explicitly, I think their basic argument was, you know, it started with the fair thing. Yes, he committed these other crime, you know, kind of financial right. crimes. Tax evasion and fraud. Tax evasion. Like but these things never would have been found if they wouldn't have, you know, if he hadn't gotten kind of wrapped tangled up, in, up yeah. in this Trump thing. And again, at least in terms of their argument, they're basically saying the whole point here was to find out if Trump colluded. Mueller did not find that. He didn't find it about Manafort. He didn't find it about Trump. Now, again, whether that is accurate or not, we'll wait and see, but yeah. that's their argument. And, and um, th- there's not a lot to prove the contrary based mm-hmm. on what is out there. And he's basically saying, look, this is just not fair. Right. Uh, you know, n- none of this stuff would have happened except for this investigation about collusion. And there was no collusion. Right. So I don't think that's going to get him very far. Uh, but it especially because the Mueller in his own filings has argued, right, that Manafort not only committed these crimes, but kept 
basically committing crimes right. after he was indicted, after he started cooperating. So it's kind of like, you know, in these criminal justice cases, you know, you look for some remorse, evidence of remorse, accepting exactly. responsibility. Yeah. And that just hasn't really been proven here. It's <laughs> an understatement. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, th- th- yes, absolutely. And it would be one thing if, if, you know, like Michael Flynn looks like he's basically been a model cooperating yeah. witness, right? Yeah. If Manafort maybe followed a similar track, maybe you could see an argument for that. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think that it is, I don't think it's a, a, there's a logic to it. I don't think it'll get him very far, but again, it's just, I don't see any better argument yeah. because again, there is some argument there. Um, not, not a terribly good one. And as you say, sort of undermined by the fact that Manafort like continued committing crimes. Right. The one thing that, that, uh, what may be the key thing is that it is an argument that sets up an, a case for a pardon, not just in Trump's mind, but in the larger, you know, just in the public square. Mm-hmm. And know. by that, you mean just making a, almost a PR argument that this is a guy who was sort of not wrongfully prosecuted exactly, but kind of a heavy handed yeah, investigation. Well, yeah, the, that that. That he was that yes he committed crimes but they are crimes that are either seldom prosecuted or only would have been turned up because they were looking for something right. else and that there's just some kind of larger injustice that again I'm not stipulating to this but in their argument that kinds of actions that are just pervasive mm-hmm. and no one ever gets in trouble for that suddenly this guy is going to spend the rest of his life there right or le- rest of his life in prison. Um, and I do think it's funny, like, I think I wrote this yesterday that, um, I do think that if the upshot from Mahler is basically didn't find any collusion and it's sort of, you know, and, and the, the general upshot is kind of like, okay, you know, it just didn't pan out. There's kind of nothing really there. Um, I, I, I feel like, uh, Trump will pardon him a probably out of some sense of appreciation right that he how much i mean he's already tweeted about how cohen flipped and he's you know has no backbone and manafort is being treated so unfairly and he's kind of stood by him more or less yeah yeah well and and then the additional point be i think it'll just be it'll be a way for him to kind of act out like screw you, you know. Right. Screw the Democrats. Screw Mueller. Screw Andrew Weiss. Screw Weissman. the witch hunt. Yeah. Yeah. All the it kind of it just it it just makes sense. And and it's not like, and especially if, you know, especially if the public verdict is well, there was a lot of shady right. stuff, but there kind of was no you know kind of yeah. collusion there. Then it'll just be sort of like, uh, you know, for a normal president, it wouldn't be like. A, a free shot, but for him, who like, what does he care? He yeah, you know, he doesn't care about like, anything. I feel like we've talked on this podcast with various guests over the last year or so about how if Trump ended up pardoning Manafort, that would be kind of a bridge too far. That would be finally like over the line, and that congressional Republicans would have to rebuke Trump. That you know would demonstrate he thinks he and his kind of cronies are above the law. Right? Do you still feel that that would be the case, or does it seem like you well, know? That's the thing. I think. That's why the the upshot of of the Mueller report is so key. And again, 
here, I'm not saying like that we know exactly what happened with Trump and Russia and stuff. But again, if the if the public impression of that report is basically that there was no kind of hard bad acts right. at that point, that will you know that will free Trump up a lot because that that will at least in sort of I think in the public impression sort of take away any idea that he's like that he's protecting himself right because you say hey Mueller said there's nothing there this is I'm free and clear and now I can go and and just I as president just think this is just not fair yeah and and so I I um now obviously if if the report is very different and maybe doesn't you know prove collusion but but says all these terrible things happened and you know Manafort probably knows more but he never you know came clean which seems I mean this is one of the mysteries of this whole story to me that uh, clearly there's stuff there's there's there has to be some reason why Manafort just refused to cooperate uh, refused i mean it and and it has to be a pretty big reason because he's even if even if you assume that there's a good chance that trump is going to pardon him who trusts donald trump yeah exactly (laughs) and he's looking at like like a life sentence you know and he he's and it's certainly true um whether whether he deserves you know leniency for it is another question but it's certainly true that his life has been basically destroyed his reputation has been destroyed yeah yeah th- like if if he doesn't if i mean one thing i was trying to f- think about is say manafort does get a pardon he's off the hook he's what 70 years old just about, about about turned 70 yeah. i mean does he just i mean there must be a mountain of legal fees right i mean, some of those are i guess covered by what a legal defense fund kind of thing uh, some joint maybe but i think the bigger thing is he's got all these judgments against him uh, and money he it, has to pay back. Yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah. like, what does he do for the? Even if, even if he doesn't go to prison, what does the rest of his life? Even yeah, look like? I mean, yeah. it's it's. I'm sure he'd rather not not go to <laughs> yeah. prison, but and maybe yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe he gets to set up like an Alex Jones type right. show. But I mean, the funny thing is, is that uh, unlike a lot of these other guys, Manafort's never been like a public guy. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, if whatever else you can say about him. Rider's, He's not great on TV. That's for one thing. Yeah, <laughs> Roger Stone's a very entertaining character, right? He can, he can keep doing his like you know, uh, right wing performance art forever. Yeah. But one of the things as I started, as the Trump Russia thing kind of heated up at the you know very late in the campaign and then early in the presidency, one of the things I did was go back, like, okay, what was he saying and stuff? And he did some TV appearances mm-hmm. and stuff, but he's not like a big talking head guy. Right. So, yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like he's going to become like a Fox News yeah. host or something. I mean, who knows? I mean, everybody's got a second act, but right. there's not much in the in the in the first act that that yeah. Do you feel like that. do you feel like we're done with the Mueller indictments? I think that. I think there's a pretty good chance that yes, we are done. I think, and a, and a number of observers, you know, people who kind of understand the ins and outs of of how prosecutions work better than I do, have said this as well. That there's a chance that the report comes out, and there are 
sealed indictments that are unsealed. Like conceivably, mm-hmm. uh, the end, you know, the end, the end of the probe means there's a report and that there are a group of of of, of new indictments. I mean, in some ways. That feels to me kind of like wishful thinking about people who want a, um, you know, a, a a sort of a maximal conclusion to mm-hmm. this whole thing. But the one thing, the one thing that does strike me is that there, in a lot of these, a lot of these indictments, particularly the ones of the, you know, these these Russian intelligence figures and stuff, there has been. Um, there's a lot of evidence. How can I put this? There's a lot of wording and structure to these to these indictments that suggests you are building, you, you are arguing about a larger criminal conspiracy, um, and and if that is true, uh, it would kind of make sense that you would you would have something later that would explain the, right. the totality of the conspiracy, but maybe not. Yeah. Right. So I I kind of. Um, I kind of think that it that there probably are no more, but it is possible that there are maybe not more indictments. It's possible that there are a number of sealed indictments yeah. that would be unsealed right. at the end of the at the end of the probe, and that will happen with the with the you know whenever this report yeah. is given over and all that kind of stuff. All right, just to wrap things up, the other kind of thing we're keeping our eye on this week is Michael Cohen's testimony on the Hill. I think today on Tuesday he is before the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is the committee chaired by Richard Burr. Vice chair is Mark Warner. It's been kind of the most straight-laced, buttoned-up committee investigating. Least polarized. Yeah, exactly. Um, Pretty much doesn't leak that much to the press, so not sure what we'll end up hearing about his appearance today. Tomorrow on Wednesday, Cohen appears in public, which means in front of cameras, on cable news all day, in front of the House Oversight Committee. That'll be interesting. There's been some reporting today that he will reveal who signed the checks that helped pay off Stormy Daniels, that he will say that he briefed Trump regularly on the Trump Tower Moscow deal, which, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, among other kind of interesting things. So, And then Thursday, he's appearing before the House Intel Committee. Which I think will also be That'll behind be a private closed doors. Right. Hearing as well. Right. So, yeah, anything you're kind of looking out for tomorrow when we get to see him in public? You know, one thing, one thing that strikes me is that for all the like the centrality of Michael Cohen and how much you know, the, just the just how much coverage there has been of him, we haven't heard him talk a lot. Yeah, true. Like we we during the campaign, obviously he would you know he was sort of like a uh, you know a talking head yep. for Trump, and I guess he did that interview uh, George a couple months ago with George yep. Stephanopoulos, but that was pretty. Brief, and, and then I, right before the midterms, he had an appearance where he was walking into his apartment building. CNN grabbed him and said, "Like he said, get out, make sure to get out there and vote." And the chaos kind of thing. Right, right, right. So, as, yeah, as a kind of a member of the resistance, exactly. sort of like seconded into the resistance. Yeah, but we, but yeah, there's never. I guess it will be one of these things where he's up there for hours. Yeah, totally. And and, and uh, in all of these interviews, you know the limited number of interviews like the Stephanopoulos one, he's always very kind of, well, I can't, you know, right. only talk in very general terms. I, I guess it's possible that he'll have a wide range of things that'll say, well, I can't, you know, I've, the uh, the special counsel's offices asked me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, 
it does seem new. Like we we just have not like almost in a literal sense, mm-hmm. we have not heard this guy talk very much. And I mean like literally just hearing his voice. Right. And certainly, I mean because we all remember like the says who and everything, <laughs> right. but he but he seems to have departed from that earlier kind of bully boy. Yeah. You know, uh character that he well, used Well, things to play. have gotten much more serious for him, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, we'll I mean, see. three years is, you know, three years doesn't, relative to other jail sentences, three years doesn't sound like crazy. And it's, I think, probably, it's probably at the level, it, it's probably about as long, it, it seems to me, I, the, the big thing is just, it's still like mm-hmm. you're living in a cage for three years, yeah. which is a huge fucking deal. Um, I guess it's probably sort of like the longest sentence you could have that, at least in my mind, would not necessarily be life-changing, but, you know, you're doing 20 years. That's right. like your life is is your life is fundamentally changed forever. Maybe mm-hmm. like three years, okay, you know, did it, done, right. out, whatever. Uh yeah, I mean I'll certainly be watching really close. Yep. I hope he's I hope he has free reign to kind of speak openly. And and the thing is that if the special counsel investigation is really over or over in a week or so, why sh- what's Yeah, why hold back? Yeah, why would why would they need him not to talk? So, um unless he's cooperating with what this Southern District of New York kind of stuff. Yeah, possibly. Well, supposedly they were kind of like, you know, you had your chance and, and you're done. But at least there, though, I mean, the stuff that really interests me, at least, is the Russia stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, look, I know the the Trump organization has all sorts of like money laundering and just just sleaze and stuff. Yeah. But that's kind of like, OK, it's I mean, more run of the mill. Yeah. I mean, I kind of know that. Um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't you know, what, what is that, what is that thing Trump has, but you know, the snake, you know, you knew I was a snake when you let me in. I mean, we knew he was a crook when we, when we, when we hired him to be president, sure. right? We didn't necessarily know he was like, uh, you know, conspiring with a foreign government. Right. We knew he was a sleazeball. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, so that's, I'll be watching pretty close. I mean, I'm definitely curious what we're going to learn. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess I, 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 I need to remind everybody that the Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you and sponsored and other phrases by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Are you ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Bye.